the return. Good morning, church family. Thanks so much for taking time to join me today as we share some stories and be encouraged from God's Word. My name is Carl Johns. You know, we live in uncertain times, yet the irony is that we have a certainty in the promises of God. I would like to share with you today a certainty, an unshakable truth. But before we start, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, today, as we share our promises and stories, may we be encouraged and strengthened with the Holy Spirit. May we gain strength from your word. And may you speak to our hearts today. Amen. March 11th, 1942. During the Second World War, General Douglas MacArthur uttered his famous words, I shall return, as he was forced to leave the Philippines. This moment, forever immortalised by a statue of MacArthur on a beach in Corregidor, where he stands, arms stretching out to the water, with those same words etched onto a base plate. April 18, 1997. A young man leaves his pregnant wife in the labour ward. He has been there all night and wanted to get home, have a quick shower and get things ready before the truly hard part started. The young man gazed at his beautiful wife and simply said, I promise I'll be back soon. Friends, in each of those situations, two things happened. The person leaving had a profound and unshakable and unstoppable belief that would return. Nothing would stop them. Nothing would prevent them from doing what they were going to do. The second, however, were the feelings of those who were waiting on their return. You see, these people had a profound sense of loss, isolation, fear, and yes, even anger at the uncertainty of waiting. The Filipinos were faced with the occupation of their country by the Japanese. Stories had spread across the Pacific about the brutality and cruelty of the Japanese occupation forces. This made leaving of the US forces in MacArthur very disastrous, making MacArthur's I shall return promise so important to the Filipino people. It gave the people of the Philippines hope that they were not forgotten or abandoned. Yet I can only imagine that the Filipinos were still afraid and even angry that their only form of protection was leaving. Our pregnant wife too, who was about to give birth, had a similar point of view. From her perspective, despite her young husband's promise to come back, you see she was still annoyed and even a little angry that her husband was leaving her in the first place. One common thing that MacArthur and the young husband had was they did not say when they would return, just that they would. Another man, Jesus of Nazareth, also made a statement about returning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John 14, verses 1 to 6. That's John 14, verses 1 to 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, 
I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Like MacArthur and our young husband, Jesus knew he had to leave. That he was definitely coming back. And that he needed to do a bunch of things to get ready for us. But once again, he too did not let on when he was actually coming back. General MacArthur left the Philippines and over the next few years his sole purpose was to raise a force large enough to retake the Pacific. Japanese forces were known for their ferocity and would fight until the very last man. MacArthur knew this and also knew that winning in the Pacific would not come quick and it would not be cheap. In fact, it would cost many, many lives. It would take close to three years for the Allied forces to retake the Japanese-held islands, island by island, working across the Pacific, from Papua New Guinea, where the Australians were tested to breaking point, to Palau Island, and then to the Philippines. The diary of a young Marine says that the beaches often look bombed and blackened and look like they should not exist here on Earth. MacArthur was resolute. He needed to do what he had to do, and he had to prepare the way for an uncontested invasion of the Philippines. A young husband had to prepare as well. You see, the couple had left home so quickly after his wife's water broke that they had no time to prepare for their new arrival. The beds were not made, washing and the dishes were left where they were, why even the very towels she used when her water broke were still on the floor where they left him. A young husband arrived back at home and said about getting it ready. He knew that his wife would be tired and would want to make sure that their home was perfect for their new child. So our young husband vacuumed, he cleaned, he dusted, he made the beds and finally he made the crib for his new child. When all was done, her husband sat down and smiled to himself, closed his eyes and fell asleep. Jesus had to leave us as well. He told his disciples. He said he had to prepare to receive us. Like MacArthur, Jesus knew that his return would not be quick and it would come at great cost to himself and to mankind. Yet Jesus has promised. In fact, his promise reaches far beyond this life and into eternity. He assures us that he left this earth and went to his Father's house in heaven to prepare a place for us. John 14.2 says, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, because I go to repair a place for you. Friends, this is a wonderful promise as it gives our lives meaning. Instead of viewing this life it's just a few decades in which to accomplish something and then die. We can view this life as a short journey to an eternal home, where Christ has a place where we can accomplish anything and everything and never die. The only thing we have to do, however, is watch and wait. Waiting is a nightmare, especially if you don't know when that person is going to return. Ladies, how many times have you gone to Bunnings with a male partner or friend, only have them disappear into the tool shop 
I'll be five minutes, they say. Hours later, we have to drag them out, or at least tempt them out with food. <laughs> Men, how many times have you been shopping with your wife, partner or girlfriend, only to have them say, I'll be back in ten minutes. Yet what seems like days later, you have to do a similar thing. Our pregnant wife felt the same. Her husband had left in somewhat of a hurry. A hurried kiss on the cheek, a hug, and he was gone out the door. I promise, he said. I'll be back. But why did he have to leave, she thought, and especially now. You see, she was not sure of anything. Not sure if she could make it through the birth. Not even sure what childbirth would be like. Not sure if the next pain was going to be the start of her labour. Not sure if she would be a good mum and not sure if her husband was even going to get back in time. Constantly glancing at the door, looking for her husband to walk in. Seconds turned into minutes and minutes into hours. Where was that husband of hers? What on earth did he have to do that was so important? And why am I waiting alone? Her eyes started to water and she began to cry. Jose Rodriguez, a young Filipino father, looked out over the bay on the island of Corregidor. The beach was still littered with half-buried ammunition boxes, burnt-out vehicles and fallen trees. The Japanese had occupied this island for two years now, and every day for those two years he had come to this beach and looked out to sea. This was the beach that MacArthur had left from, the one where he had heard him say that he would be back. So, Jose came back every day to wait a while and look for his return. Jose was a resistance fighter, part of an ever-shrinking small group of fighters. He had lost everything. His wife, his daughter, his whole family. But Jose believed that MacArthur would return. He was not sure why. Maybe it was just the way MacArthur had looked when he said those words. But what was taking him so long? Why had the Allies not returned? He had lost so much. So many friends. And as he thought about his family, Jose looked across the bay and he began to cry. Friends, Matthew 24:36 says this, But the day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. I'm sure we have often thought about this, waiting for a promised return, not knowing when Jesus is coming back, waking up every morning and going through the day with only a promise that he will return. Jesus, however, has asked us, in fact pleads with us, to watch continually for his return, to be constantly on alert. You know, I recently asked my 82-year-old dad if he was frustrated waiting for Christ's imminent return, which, by the way, I said to him, hasn't been so imminent. My father looked at me for a long while and said this, Son, when I was young, I thought I would never marry, but then I found your mother. I thought that I would never have children, then I had you and your sister. I thought I would never see you marry or have children of your own. Now I have one, five beautiful grandchildren, and my children are old. When I was young, I thought that life was so slow, and that I would never grow old. Now that I am old, I have realised that what seemed a blink of an eye, my life has raced by. 
son, he said. Life is too short to be frustrated for waiting for Christ. To me, his return is always just around the corner. Therefore, be on alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming, Matthew 24:42 says. Keep your eyes open. Keep wide awake. But how do we maintain this vigilance? How do we keep the lamp burning? How do we stay awake? How do we do what Matthew 24 asks? You see, waiting on the Lord requires patient trust. You know, we often say, don't just stand there, do something. While God often says to us, don't do something, just stand there. Waiting means that we give God the benefit of the doubt that he knows what he is doing. Waiting is God's way of seeing if we will trust him before we move forward. Trust is a patient trust. We have to trust that God says he will do something. He will, but in God's time, not ours. Waiting on the Lord reminds us that he is in control. We are not in charge. I am patient. I am in the waiting room. In real issues of life, I am not just waiting around. I'm waiting on Jesus. Therefore, I can trust his wisdom and his timing. I've heard it said that people who wait on Jesus lose no time. I can wait with confidence because I'm waiting for someone, and that someone is Jesus. You know, waiting reminds me that I am not Jesus. As a man, I want to fix things. I want to fix my problems, my relationships, my conflict, my career, and my church. Fixing and crawling situations and people is like trying to expedite the sun rising quicker. Our job is to be watchmen. We need to have a watchman's attitude, a confident and alert expectation that God will do what he says he will do. Friends, waiting on the Lord allows Jesus to do his work. The Gospel Commission, it's a real thing. Let every person know about our Lord and Saviour. We live on a big planet with lots of people. So that means it's not going to happen overnight. And more importantly, our Father loves us all and does not want anybody to perish. So he is giving us as much time as he possibly can so that every single person has a chance to choose him. Every generation. However, every generation wants this process to go as fast as possible and question God. Why not now? Why not bring it to pass today? Waiting on the Lord increases our strength. Sometimes it is a struggle to remember that it is good to wait for the Lord. It isn't easy. It goes against every grain of our quick-fix society. But there's a hidden benefit in waiting. In times of waiting, our soul can be revived, our spirit renewed. In fact, Isaiah writes that those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31. Friends, countless stories in the Bible share how God has promised to do things and how we as humans disbelieve. A blind man is healed. An old woman gives birth to a child who starts the nations. A killer of Christians is changed to an advocate for Christ, and a baby is born to a virgin. In every single situation, a person was made a promise, yet they struggled or failed to believe. God has always done 
what he has promised to do. So, logic dictates that if God makes a promise, he will carry it out. But friends, in his time, not ours. October 20, 1944, just a few hours after his troops land, MacArthur wades ashore onto the island of Liat in the Philippines. That day, he made a radio broadcast in which he declared, People of the Philippines, I have returned. Three short months later, MacArthur's forces took over the main island of the Philippines and he walked into Manila. He was true to his word. It took time, but he came back. Isaiah Rodriguez did not see that landing. He did not see MacArthur wade ashore through the surf. Jose did not see the ships or the landing craft hitting the beach. You see, Jose died two months before. Jose Rodriguez died fighting the Japanese, but he died believing in a single promise that the Allies would return and save his people. April 18, 1997, at exactly 11am, our young husband came back to the labor ward. There he stayed by his wife's side for the remainder of the day until their beautiful daughter was born. The young man was true to his word. He came back. Finally, my friends, it is my belief that we'll be conscious of the present but always look to the future. Luke 21.34 has this to say about keeping yourself grounded in the present. But watch yourself. Least your hearts be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness and the cares of this life and that the day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Guard your hearts, friends. Be mindful of all that you do, all that you see, and all that you hear. Time has a knack of wearing you down, of creating apathy in you so that you finally give up and succumb to the ways of this earth. It is the word of God that becomes caffeine for our soul. Every time you read it, or hear it, or think about it, or pray to our Father about it, you are doing something for your soul. You're keeping your soul awake and alert, ready for Jesus Christ. While the rest of the world stresses over money and worrying and complaining and even this virus, there is you, and you can be different. You can look to the future look to Christ's return and rejoice that he is coming for you. Like MacArthur, like our young father, he will return and take you to your new home for eternity. Let's pray. Dear wonderful Father, we live in a world where nothing is for sure. Our world today is filled with fear, pain and suffering. We are unsure of what this new virus will bring us, how it will affect us or our loved ones. We are bombarded with fear, uncertainty and doubt. However, in all of this turmoil, we are certain of your promise. We know you love us, you will protect us and keep us safe. We know that you are also coming back for us. And that is your unshakable truth. Father God, please take us into this new week. Help us to stay alert. Help us to stay calm. 
to do what we need to do, but help us never to forget that you are coming back for us. You will take us home. Amen. Friends, look after each other, care for your neighbour, care for your family, and above all, stay safe.